profit is not cash. Conscious saying, I'm going to launch a Facebook ad today. Everyone can only handle three things. I feel like we need to stop putting ourselves in restrictions. What do you actually want out of your business? You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Below Springer. For your industry, by your industry. In an episode from earlier this summer, I stated how there is vulnerability in sharing our stories and experiences, strength in owning our identities, and power in creating communities and work environments that feel safe. From a young age, we're told and encouraged to be ourselves, but that often comes with a silent reservation. Be yourself, but don't make others uncomfortable. We've all been conditioned to think about gender from a binary perspective, but in reality, it is so much more fluid. To quote gender deconstruction worker Dr. Lisa Cravens-Brown, socially constructed gender norms are always limiting, often harmful. And while there's an increasing number of people who feel comfortable with themselves and empowered enough to identify as gender nonconforming, trans, and non-binary publicly, not everyone feels safe doing so at work. A better understanding of the multitudes of gender is essential for us to live in a more inclusive society. However, on a workplace scale, it's also essential for owners and managers looking to attract and retain employees and clients who fall outside the gender binary. In today's episode, you'll hear stories, experiences, and advice from a fellow industry professional who's working to make his studio an inclusive one for all folks, and I couldn't be happier or more excited to hold space for him to do so. Before I started cutting hair, I didn't feel like I had a big queer community around me, so I met my community um, doing hair, basically. And I never imagined that I would just, like, build such, like, a lovely surrounding or just every day I'm at work, at the end of each day, I'm just very thankful for everybody that I've met or that I'm seeing, the conversations that I'm having. It's super important for, like, queer people to be included in the world. Like, we don't need to always have our own spaces. I think it's important that we're a part of the world. So I didn't think back then that I needed to be in my own space, in my own environment. But then COVID happened and just my my views started changing. Now that I'm here alone, I'm kind of missing working with people (laughs) and getting feedback from people. And I think it would be nice one day to maybe change change it up in a way that to keep the idea of um, offering private appointments, but maybe doing like an half and half or kind of going back to the first idea of like not being exclusive or yeah. Noam Oji, whose pronouns are he, they, is an entrepreneur and hair artist. He opened his first hair studio, Call Me Noam, at 25 years old, hoping to create a safer environment to create and connect with his community. They offer a different approach to hair services, working one-on-one and making space for gender-affirming experiences. And online, they openly share and document their journey and struggles as a trans-masculine and non-binary person. The goal being to continue breaking the gender binary and challenge society's norms. Thanks so much for joining me on Forest FM, Noam. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Um, A pleasure to have a fellow Montrealer on the show also. I have to say, it doesn't happen that often. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Before we even start talking about your um, private studio and all the things that you're working on currently, I know that you come from two generations of hairstylists um, making 
salons, probably a very familiar place for you from very early on. But what was that experience like for you? Because if I'm not mistaken, you didn't grow up wanting to do hair. Yeah, honestly, it was fun growing up surrounded by hairstylists and all that creativity that comes with it. Um, it allowed me to change my hair a lot. Mm -hmm. I was able to be impulsive with my hair making decisions. I could just kind of call or show up and just get creative and ask for things. Of course, they wouldn't always agree with what I wanted, but um, I think it allowed me from a very early age to uh, be open, not have uh, too many barriers when it comes to expressing myself with hair. Although um, I didn't always know what I wanted, but I think it was most, for the most part, a very fun experience. Um, it didn't make me want to do hair back then. Um, mm -hmm. It took time for me to um, kind of show interest in that area because it was so different the way they was doing it back then. And the um, environment I grew up in, although it was fun for a kid, um, it seemed a bit too superficial back then for me. I didn't feel that connection with uh, the work. Well, can you can you elaborate maybe a bit about like the vision you had of hairdressing growing up and how that's changed now? Mm -hmm. I feel like because the salon that I was familiar with had been open for 50 years, 60 years now, um, it was kind of old school thinking in a way that they had regular clients coming in every week. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of blow dries. Um, my vision of it was more like... Um, I feel like you had to be passionate about hair since you were a kid to do hair. Yeah. I feel like a lot of stylists that I know started from a very young age or they always knew they wanted to do hair or they had been doing it when they were a teenager and it was in my experience. So I didn't think that it was for me for that reason. And what made you kind of go into hair in the end? Like when did that moment come for you to be like, well, oh, you know what, maybe that is for me in the end. <laughs> Um, I've always been uh, creative. Um, I loved uh, filmmaking and music. And so I explored that um, after high school. And then I ended up doing some event production oh, nice. and working with hairstylists backstage. So that's when I was, uh, I, I saw it, uh, started to see it a different way. I just connected with the artists and I saw the, the craft, the creativity, um, the connection they were also like having all together, like as a community that I thought was really nice mm. and inspiring. And although I don't want to do like that kind of hairstyling, like stage or, you know, all of those like photo shoots, um, I think seeing that aspect of hairstyling and then seeing what I know in salon experiences allowed me to look at it and then being like, okay, this is what I want to do with it. Like, I love the creativity aspect of it. I love the connection you can make with the people you meet every day. And then I think I can do something really special with that. And I think you have been doing something really special with that. I mean, you've just opened your um, private studio a couple of years now ago. Like, it, it's two, three years? Yeah, we're going on two 
two years, right. Um, so the studio is called Call Me Noam, and you qualified it as a powerful way for you to rewrite your story on your own terms. Would you be comfortable sharing a bit more about your experience within the hair and beauty industry as a transmasculine and non-binary person? Like, did you... Like, in what ways, I suppose, does Call Me Noam help you concretely rewrite your story? I think as a trans person, um, in my experience, I had I changed my name. Mm-hmm. And Call Me Noam was kind of just like a way of being like, this is my name. Like, it's something you always have to tell people. Like, you can yeah. call me by this name. And I decided to keep it for my business because I, I think a lot of my clientele could relate to that, kind of like have a chosen name and then always have to tell people, don't call me by my then name, this is my name. And it was just a way to be like, um, just a, a place of pride in who I became and what I'm doing and um, also doing it differently. Yeah, on truly on your own terms, especially when you have a private, you know, private studio, you can really do what you want with it um, and, and attract the, the, the clientele that you want to in, engage with on like a daily basis, really. Mm-hmm. Have you felt like the, the hair and beauty industry has been mostly a safe space to be yourself in over time? Um, I personally didn't have really bad experiences. I've had uncomfortable experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, to answer your question, like not all places feel like super secure and safe, obviously, like not just in the hair industry, just like in the world in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the salons are still very gendered in the way that like pricing works, for example, and the way they offer services and the language they use. So, in a salon, you'll hear a lot of conversations because there's a lot of conversations happening. Like the chair next to you, you can't control all of those conversations happening all the time. So that in itself is like kind of feels unsafe for some people or it's just, it can be a very uh, stressful uh, moment to ask for what you want and like be able to like say what you want yeah. and like say what you don't want and be like comfortable. So I think both for like me, the person working, I want to make um, the service as comfortable as possible. It's hard when you can't control what's happening around you. And then also being mindful of the person who's on your chair, like trusting you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I know <clears throat> obviously having your own, your own studio, you you can decide of all the policies and, you know, um, going about a, a gender neutral pricing or, um, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, and I know that you are quite, I guess, vocal about it. You have it like very black on white on your website about like what you tolerate and what you don't tolerate. And that I think is really, really important. What, like looking back at your experiences in, in the industry, and I guess even like from conversations from your clients, what do you think as an industry, like more salon owners can be mindful of in terms of like policies that they can put in place to make the environment a bit more safer, I guess. Are there like any specifics that you would hope that we strived towards more, I guess? Um, I feel like the basics would be to ask for pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um well, in, in all of the languages, but also in French, 
everything is gender, like the adjectives you use. So just being mindful yeah. of what word you use. Um, if you don't know somebody's pronouns and like try to like avoid like using gendered words to describe like haircuts or even, um, yeah, just to like try to break the stereotypes in the language that we use. Um, mm-hmm. It takes time. And, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Um, but for myself, I know that I, I have so many words now that I can use instead of using more like stereotypical gender languages to describe like a haircut. Um, instead of asking like, do you want like a masculine haircut? There's so many other words that you can use because we all have a different definition of what a masculine haircut is anyways so then you can avoid some miscommunication so i would say ask for pronouns um obviously don't assume Mm -hmm. the pronouns or the um, kind of the gender expression that the person has in front of you because you don't you don't know that can change um i'm very big on consent as well so when the person first comes in, like we're gonna sit and talk before I even touch the person's hair. And I always try to say, I'm gonna brush to your hair right now. So it kind of established this uh, respectful, like essential atmosphere before we even start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you know what? Like I think <clears throat> that I think that's a, an interesting point you bring up because even when you think about like regardless of gender identity and gender expression and all of that, like there's quite a few people um, in this world that are very like sensitive to like how they're being touched and what like, you know, like just sensory overload, I guess. Um, And I know that like, well, that's like a great example of just like making sure that everyone feels comfortable. Like I think you also, um, from what I remember seeing, you also like offer um, services that, can either be personalized to like the type of music that your client would want to listen to while they're getting their haircut and, or even have a silent appointment. Is that, is that something you do still? Yeah. So every time someone books in, they can decide if they want, first of all, music or no music. They can even suggest a playlist if they want to an artist mm-hmm. and also silent appointments. So that's different than music. It's kind of like, we don't have to talk during the appointment basically. Right. So, I think having that private space really allows for that to, yeah, make space for no music, silence appointment, which I feel is so comforting, even for me. Um, I think people feel pressure sometimes to, like, talk or, like, small talk. Yeah. Um, But even for me, it's a nice break sometimes to even have a silent appointment. I feel, like, less pressure to myself talk. That's... That's interesting. It's good for both. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Honestly, I've heard it like once or twice maybe in the industry like happening, like that people do offer that. And I think it's a great idea. So yeah, fair play to you. Um, I guess like the other thing that I'm really curious about, and I guess we touched upon it a little bit earlier, um, but I'd love to dig deeper, I guess, is like, has opening your business... And running Call Me Noam changed, altered, or even like erased some of those self-limiting beliefs? Um, Like, has it changed your view of yourself and the world? And like, how so, if it has? I feel like, yeah, I mean, 
um, it, it keeps shifting. Even before I opened this space, um, I thought that working in a salon, it was good in a way that I wasn't in a private space or like in a all queer space. I was like, it's super important for like queer people to be included in the world. Like we don't need to always have our own spaces. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we're a part of the world. Um, so I didn't think back then that I needed to be in my own space, in my own environment. I thought I could just like deal with everybody else. Um, but then COVID happened and just my, my views started changing. So right. yeah, just before I opened the space, even I was like, okay, well maybe, maybe, you know, like I need to have my own space. I need like that safer work environment. I don't need to like deal with all of those like outside components that I already deal with every day of my life when I step outside of this studio. So, right. Yeah. That, that's one thing that I had to like come, come back to. And then now that I'm here alone, I'm kind of missing working with people. Oh, are you? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's also like due to a pandemic where we always already feel kind of like we felt a bit isolated and then it was, I was super thankful to have this space during the pandemic because I was seeing people every day and I I feel like I I had a lot of my social during my work hours. Yeah. Um, But now I'm kind of connecting with more people and getting feedback from people. And I think it would be nice one day to change it up in a way that to keep the idea of um, offering private appointments, but maybe doing like an half and half or kind of going back to the first idea of like not being exclusive or just. Right. Yeah. We'll be following the journey anyways. We'll see how that goes. Um, Yeah. That'll be interesting to see, honestly, even just like in a year's time, like how you feel about that and where, where things are at. Um, in, in terms of like when you think about your hairdressing career and like your journey as an entrepreneur, like obviously as, you know, as with any business, things change, our vision changes over time as well. Like you've just talked about that now. What do you give the most attention to within that like business journey and why do you put so much focus and importance on that? I think my main focus is to offer a space for my community. It's always been my first priority and making people feel comfortable, um, being transparent with people and yeah, just holding a space for what I do basically. So every time I think of something, I have something in mind, um, I always think about, okay, so if I, let's say I was a client coming in, would I be comfortable? Um, What would I want? Um, I'm always, yeah, every time I I go somewhere, I kind of like see, (laughs) I don't know if it's like a bad thing to say, but I'm like very quick to like, not judge, but just be very like critical of what's happening. And then I take it in and then I try to like be mindful of it or just kind of do it in a better way. So in everything I do, every time I'm like thinking of a project and I really have to go back to that first priority and being like, does this align with my values? Mm-hmm. Did you go about that um, same process like when you built your studio? Because I know that you did um, do quite a bit of research into 
like all the different things that you would bring into the studio, like even all the way down to getting the sinks um, to, to wash hair, like built by someone that you knew within the Montreal area, right? Was like every kind of decision made with making sure it was aligned with your values, even within like building out your space? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I mean, everything is connected in my opinion. So the products that I chose, like um, lots of research for that and just um, everything in the space is secondhand or uh, recycled material. To me, that was, that was very important. So Right. So I was put on to your work, I want to say in 2018, maybe don't quote me on that, but it was somewhere around that time. And it was actually through MJ, who is one of the founders at Apart Studio, um, where you had a chair for a little bit. Um, and I think it was around the time that you were wrapping up that stint in Apart and then uh, coming into uh, building your own your your own space. So when I was talking to MJ, um, they had mentioned to me uh, at the time that you were working on developing some sort of an educational offering for other salon professionals, um, hoping to make their space like a more inclusive and safer environment. So I guess like I, I'd love to talk a bit about that um, on on today's interview uh, as well, because I know that it, that is something you care about and it's still something you're developing. Um, but I guess like to to kick it off. What do you think the future of gender inclusivity for our industry looks like as a whole, like in general? Yeah. I mean, yeah, MJ was really nice to offer me a space to be like in the in-between and um, super inspired by what they do always. Um, and I think uh, one thing that MJ and I, have, uh, and I have like in common is like how like open and transparent and like we're trying to be and always keep educating ourselves. So. I'm glad that they actually told you about this project because I had been working on it. I was working on this before I opened my space. I didn't know I was going to have a studio when I was working on this idea of doing workshop for salon owners or just like um, hairstylists in general. Yeah. But, yeah. On how to be more inclusive. Um, I think um, I wanted to do this, especially for like French speakers because um, I feel they are uh, fewer resources. Yes. Um, I think it, it can apply to a lot of different like work field, but um, because I'm a hairstylist and I know the environment so well with, you know, growing up in a hair salon <laughs> that I have been helping, let's say, my dad changing the way that they do things. So it was like, I feel like a lot of people only need some support to get there or just some awareness and knowledge and I know it's not that easy to find unless you know someone um, but all it takes I feel like is one trans or non-binary person in your life to kind of open your eyes on like easy, uh, things that can be easily changed or fixed um, let's say like gender pricing like it seems like a huge thing or like some people think it's impossible to do but it's really not that hard and it would be beneficial even for for salons to go that way, like yeah. financially and just in, in general, it would make more sense. So um, I'm still hoping that one day I can offer those services. Like I'm always open if somebody reaches out to my website and they need help. I think also since I've had that idea like three years ago, I have seen things kind of started to change and shift. 
So yeah. it's nice to see it. I know there's still a lot of work to do, but it's kind of like slowed me down, I feel like, because a lot of people already are like taking initiative or a lot of like nonprofit urging education. There's, I know there's like um, an inclusive like language book in French that was made by Claude. Mm-hmm. So all of those like things, I'm like, okay, like some people are taking care of it, so I can kind of take some weight off my shoulders, and then once I feel ready, then I can offer it. But I know that in the meantime, people are doing it too. Yeah, that's great. And um, what would be like, like just you know, dreaming here? Like, what would be your vision? for that offering like if if you were to to have like all the resources possible and all the time in the world to do what you wanted to do truly um with it what would that look like potentially would you want to like run some sort of organization on the side would it be just like an educator kind of offering um would you want to go do in salon visits workshops kind of stuff like what would be your like your ideal scenario I think for sure, like in in salon workshop would be ideal for like the whole team, and also keeping communication with those people because um, there's always like you know like new things to learn and you need like refresh. So I think um, kind of doing like a yearly offering, like a yearly workshop for sure, like having more people uh, doing that with me, like as a team. Like I'm not a language expert. Um, just having Mm -hmm. um, a team full of resources to like help um, everyone do better and also having people from different backgrounds I think would be really nice and in different like industries too I think I would like to extend it like I said like I know hair salons a lot but I think it would be very um, beneficial to all of the different industries out there so having like kind of like people from different industries and background and then being this team um, and just going to the workplace and doing like a workshop like every year, like every like September or something, people know that will like come and just kind of refresh and bring more information. I think that would be really awesome. Yeah. Since you were just saying earlier, I'm always open for people to reach out to help, you know, give advice or anything like that. I'm hoping that you can maybe give out just even one piece of advice today. If there was someone listening to this currently, we have people listening from around the world, honestly, and they're a stylist or even maybe a client of a, of a salon and they were put onto this podcast and they wanted to approach the, like a salon management team or leadership team with like ideas to make the space more inclusive and more like a safer space. Like what would you recommend they said or how would you recommend they approached management or leadership Mm -hmm. i would say to like start small because it will have a huge impact no matter how small you think the change that you're doing might be i know that it might seem bigger than it is um but a simple thing as uh, just like asking pronoun it's all it's a question um You can even add it to, if you have like an online booking, you can add a box and that action alone will have a huge impact and um, Mm -hmm. make people know right away that you're aware and mindful about these things. So I think just start small and it's okay to make mistakes at first and it's okay to acknowledge that we don't know everything and 
Nice. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, I think it's important that you, that you highlight that, you know, like, I feel like even, even talking to like friends, sometimes you can tell that there's like this pressure to get everything right all at once. And, and it like, it like almost paralyzes sometimes certain people. And so I think, I think you're dead right. Like starting small, like even like one small thing will make a difference and a way bigger one that you think it could ever make. Um, so I guess like my last, like two, two questions for you really would be in relation to like future plans and how you feel about your career. The first one being, um, what are you most grateful for in your career so far in the hair and beauty industry? And, and where would you like to see Call Me Noam in five years from now even? Mm. Um, I'm most thankful for the people that come to see me. Um, before I started cutting hair, I didn't feel like I had um, a big queer community around me. So I met my community um, doing hair basically and I never imagined that I would just like build such like a lovely surrounding or just every day I'm at work at the end of each day I'm just very thankful for everybody that I've met or that I'm seeing the conversations that I'm having are always just like enriching or nourishing fulfilling yeah no like I learn every day and um, I'm thankful to feel safe in my environment and with the people that come to see me. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, on that note, like that being said, like I have so many creative people coming to see me or they have like so many important things to like share, like stories. So in the future, I would love to work with some of these people on, you know, other projects or posting them in my space, doing some sort of like more pop-ups or just other sort of workshops, just kind of connecting with people outside of cutting hair. And you have started doing that, no? Am I not mistaken in, in thinking like that you occasionally have someone coming in for, uh, is it shiatsu treatments? Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, the, I had the opportunity to do two chatsu and like haircut days uh, with one of my friends who was originally a client, like from, we met when I had just started cutting hair. Um, so that was awesome. So cool. I mean, COVID slowed things down, but um, that was always my vision from the start. So that was like a really, those two days were really, really nice and very um, well received by the people who, who came for, for those. Um, Amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's a really great idea. Yeah, hoping to do a lot more of those. Nice. Well, listen, this has been fantastic. Uh, Noam, thank you so much for, for taking the time. My very, very last question, what are your other like projects and endeavors? Um, what are you hoping to get involved in um, from now till the, the, the end of the year? I know you're doing a lot of like ballroom competitions and stuff. Um, so like, is there anything that you would love to kind of just share with the community and, and maybe we can check them out. If you have some links, we can, we can, uh, embed those in the show notes today and uh yeah any anywhere to like for people to get a sense of who you are and follow you along a journey i'm planning um i'm actually doing a community day a hair community day with p10 in august as part of a summer camp they all every year for youth 
Um, so that's very exciting. And nice. we're going to also try to do um, workshops for um, like facial hair um, care, um, kind of showing people how to take care of their beard or facial hair whatsoever. So I'm very excited about that because that's another thing I've been wanting to bring to the studio for a while. So um, that's one project I'm really excited for. And um, also, I think with ballroom, because I walk this category called realness, so I have to pass as cis when I walk. Um, and that's been really fun mm-hmm. with, with gender and um, posting about it make, uh, makes people kind of bring it up when I cut their hair. So it's been fun having that conversation because um, 90% of my clientele is queer. So um, being able to talk about ballroom um, to them is really nice because we're trying to grow the community in Montreal. Um, and it's been really exciting to see. I know that right now there's this um, initiative called Ballroom for Community happening. Uh, for those interested, you can check that out. Uh, it's free. They have workshops and different balls happening. Um, and there is the Montreal KBA, which is the Montreal Kiki Ball Association. Um, it's a Facebook group. Um, it might be private, so if you want to be a part of it, you can DM me at Call Me Noam on Instagram, and I can send you the link to be added to the group. But that's where all the balls are posted and workshops. Um, there's a lot of amazing people um, hosting free events and workshops and working hard on creating um, and building the community in Montreal. So that's very beautiful. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, I'm just going to reiterate, like, so if, if anyone wants to reach out to you, either for the ballroom, for the part of, for, to, to be part of um, that Facebook group or um, reach out for any kind of like questions or advice is the best way then to reach you through Instagram DMs or uh, should people reach out to you through your website contact section? Um, yeah, for ballroom, it's fine to reach me on Instagram. For hair, it's always yeah better on my website. So work work on my website and then ballroom through my DMs is is good. Perfect. So we'll have both both uh, both links anyways on um, in the show notes today. Uh, listen, I will. I can't thank you enough for your time. This has been absolutely fantastic, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that you know this this at least falls into more ears um, that are looking to expand their their like offering to become more inclusive, more more of a safer environment essentially for an inclusive environment for for staff and clients really. And I think uh, I think you have some like really good insights and pieces of advice in in today's conversation so thank you so much for being so open with me thank you and so do you thank you for holding space for those conversations happening in the first place yeah of course 100 percent. and uh if ever you need anything just reach out thank you there's a lot of personal and organizational work involved in changing the cultural norms that reinforce the gender binary in our workplaces But becoming an ally and advocate for gender inclusion is simpler than you might think. Small steps you can take outside of what Noam discussed could include simply learning more about gender and the work involved in deconstructing gender norms, seeking different perspective to yours and reflecting on your experiences, creating and sharing ways for staff to share their pronouns with colleagues and clients, 
increasing your awareness of the language you use and how gendered it might be, and normalizing workplace discussions around ways to make the space and experience a more inclusive one. Some things to think about. And if you'd like to get in touch with Noam, he's just a few clicks away on Instagram or via the contact form on his website. And links are, as always, in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Forest FM. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. As always, you can head over to forest.com forward slash FM to catch all the latest from the show, as well as check out the links and resources mentioned throughout the episode. And if you've got any feedback, be sure to let us know. Send us an email at forestfm at forest.com. Brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Forest FM episodes air weekly, sharing inspiring stories from the salon floor and amplifying community voices all over the globe. In your salon, we're at the heart of it. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments.